Welcome to Better Days Season 6. My name is Wesley Town, and I am so glad you are joining me today. Better Days is a listener-supported nonprofit seeking to bring hope, awareness, and education to the human experience of mental health and suffering. We aim to deconstruct misconceptions of what it means to be human and follow Jesus. If you'd like to learn more or support our work, you can check out our website, betterdaysfmly.co. Again, that's betterdaysfmly.co. Hi, Better Days family. I'm so glad that you joined me today. For the next few episodes, I would love to have a conversation with you around this ancient idea called lament. I want to encourage you not to miss these episodes on lament. I truly believe there are ideas embedded in this reality that can help each one of us navigate the toughest moments and seasons of life. And within this conversation, I want to talk about how our culture processes pain versus how the ancient biblical culture processed pain and suffering. And how there are ideas and realities behind lament that can help each of us practically, conceptually walk through our own moments of pain and suffering. The word lament is not a familiar word in our culture. In fact, many of you, this may be the first time ever hearing of the term. However, it was such an important word in ancient history. You might be saying, Wesley, what is lament? Lament is an ancient word or genre that had deep roots in the history of the Bible. Lament, you could define as this, the language of pain and suffering. For most of history, humans had a language to express pain. They had a way to engage with their pain and suffering. And it was rooted in their culture this practice, this value. It was a practice both for individuals and for communities. So individual people would lament and then communities, groups of people would lament together. Think of lament as the ancient biblical practice to engage with human pain and human suffering. What a gift that people had a language a pathway, a learned construct to process their own pain and suffering that was developed, rooted in a culture, taught to kids that were growing up in their developmental stages of life. So as they proceeded as humans on this earth, dealing with hard things, they had a language and a pathway to process their own pain and suffering. In American culture, We run from pain. We hide our pain. We cover over our pain. We have no learned language for processing our pain in a general sense. And often we are afraid to verbalize our pain. So in response to that, we keep silent in shame that people won't understand or we may be judged if we verbalize our pain. But In the ancient world, they were free to express themselves in their pain, in their suffering. In fact, they were encouraged to process their pain and suffering both on an individual level and in community, honestly and emotionally, 
processing their pain. Lament encouraged people to face human suffering rather than being in spiritual denial over human suffering. How helpful is this? That the ancient biblical culture encouraged people to face human suffering, to face the moments of hardship they were going through, rather than answer their pain with some spiritual denial or cliche, which they knew was incredibly unhelpful. I want you to take a moment to listen to these laments from the Psalms. I just picked out three, and I think that you're going to find these so relatable and helpful and normalizing. The first is from Psalm 6. It says, I am worn out from my groaning. All night long, I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. The second is from Psalm 13. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? And the last from Psalm 25. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Look on my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. I love these just three examples of human lament. These laments are deeply human, authentic, honest, emotionally intelligent. They gave words and descriptions, vivid descriptions to their pain and suffering. They expressed honest human experiences, and they contain no dishonest spiritual hype. Think of if we follow that pattern, that we were deeply human and authentic and honest about what we were going through, that we had emotional intelligence to name what we were experiencing and what we felt in the moment, that we would give words and descriptions to our pain and suffering, and that we would express these honest human experiences in a culture that encouraged people to face and engage in their suffering rather than deny it, cover over it, give some sort of dishonest spiritual hype to make people feel better in the moment, but not actually help them in the long run. Biblical culture stands in sharp contrast to Western culture when it comes to processing pain and suffering. Bruce Waltke, who is a foremost Old Testament scholar, a foremost Hebrew scholar, explains the richly human culture of the biblical world. Listen to this, saying, Hebrew faith and culture have always been richly human in the sense that cultural practices included rites of passage, festivities, feasting, fasting, and mourning allowed for the expression of all their emotions and passions before God on the national, familial, and individual level. It is as if the robust Hebraic expression of being human was itself a preparation for when God himself would become fully human in the incarnation. The Old Testament characters are human beings like ourselves, who express themselves in poetry and narrative as we do, 
All their emotions were communicated with the flow of their lives as they danced, sang, laughed, shouted, complained, cried, became angry, confessed, lamented, and mourned. I just love that excerpt from Bruce Waltke's thinking on the deeply rich human culture of the biblical world, which is so helpful when you are interacting with the hard parts of human life, which we could call pain and suffering. Western culture, though, has a problem when it comes to pain and suffering and how we process it and deal with it. In our culture, we're obsessed with happiness at the expense of a healthy response and a healthy perspective of the human experience of pain. We also are toxically, in some settings, positive at the expense of living in the reality of normal and healthy emotions around pain and suffering. And in many circles, there's this dominant theology of triumph and celebration at the expense of suffering and being human. Not that triumph and celebration isn't good or valuable, but when it's overemphasized and the other realities are underemphasized, it can throw us off balance. In addition to that, our infatuation with success, triumph, wins, and celebration in the Western church often overshadows the reality of suffering, injustice, struggle, and lament as a common life experience that needs to be addressed. My simple assessment is that in parts of Western Christianity, we are just off balance. And when we're off balance, we hinder people from properly understanding how to process human pain and suffering because we're so focused on happiness, positivity, triumph, success. When we overemphasize one aspect at the expense of the other, we too quickly bypass leaning into pain and suffering. But here's something I've learned in my life and through the seasons of pain and suffering and hardship and challenges. I've learned that in my life that some of the greatest depth, some of the most formative moments of change takes place in those hard moments that I choose to lean into. So it's actually to our disadvantage to too quickly bypass our pain, overshadow our suffering with spiritual cliches. We need to enter into it. Tim Keller, in his book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering, evaluates the Western approach to pain and suffering. And he writes, we're not just worse than past generations in this regard, but we are also weaker than are many people in other parts of the world today. Dr. Paul Brand, the pioneering orthopedic surgeon in the treatment of leprosy patients, spent the first part of his medical career in India and the last part of his career in the United States. He wrote, In the United States, I encountered a society that seeks to avoid pain at all costs. Patients lived in a greater comfort level than any I had previously treated, but they seemed far less equipped to handle suffering and far more traumatized by it. 
Keller goes on to say, if the meaning of life is individual freedom and happiness, then suffering is of no possible use. In this worldview, the only thing to do with suffering is to avoid it at all costs. Or, if unavoidable, manage and minimize the emotions of pain and discomfort as much as possible. That sounds very familiar because that's the culture we were cultivated in. That's our learned experience. And what's interesting in that assessment is this approach to the highest value being freedom and happiness actually uh, is a disadvantage to emotionally, mentally, and relationally, and communally processing pain. I've been reading a lot about the adverse effects of America's obsession with positivity and happiness in relationship to other cultures and biblical culture and how they process pain and how they were honest and and richly human in the way that they process the emotions around pain. I was reading an article in Psychology Today, and it it said this, and I think you're going to find this to be very interesting. We have been investigating whether Western cultural values might play a role in promoting the depression epidemic for several years. In a series of experiments, we found that the high value we place on happiness is not only associated with increased levels of depression, but may actually be the underlying factor. Valuing feelings of happiness or wanting others to be happy is not a bad thing. The problem arises when we come to believe we should always feel this way. This makes our negative emotions, which are inevitable and normally quite adaptive, seem like they are getting in the way of an important goal in life. From this perspective, sadness is no longer an expected feeling you have when things go wrong. Rather, it is interpreted as a sign of failure and a signal something is wrong emotionally. Our work suggests that Western culture has been globalizing happiness contributing to an epidemic of depression. As our understanding of depression begins to move beyond individual level factors to include social and cultural value systems, we need to question whether cultural values are actually making us happy. We are not immune to these values and our cultures are sometimes responsible for our mental health. This is so thought-provoking. I was also reading uh, a Harvard psychologist who was talking about the same thing. And Harvard psychologist Susan David doesn't, basically in this article, doesn't trust this messaging and worries how it is shaping us and our children. Happiness has become an expectation. But David notes that we can't forget that there is no one state of being that a person is entitled to, as she puts it. Life's beauty is inseparable from its fragility. Humans must develop the skills and capacity to deal with difficult times, not sweep it aside as a glitch in the smooth delivery of constant happiness. Sadness, heartbreak, and grief aren't signs of weakness. You should listen to that again. They are not signs of weakness. And pretending these, quote, uglier emotions don't exist only hinders our authentic existence and experience of life. It lowers our resilience to future difficulties as well. In other words, this hinders us from emotionally, 
mentally, relationally, and in community, processing future pain, future hard moments, when we only focus on one emotion at the expense of the emotions that take place in human suffering. We need a shared language around pain and suffering. We all need to learn a healthy response and pathway to process our pain and suffering. That's why this idea of lament is so important. It's rooted throughout biblical history. You see it in the lives of of people that we tell stories about in biblical history that we look up to, and you also see it in the life of Jesus. We need to restore lament to the forefront of what it means to be human and follow Jesus in our Christian life in the Western culture. Next week, I want to take some time to further explain lament and how it practically helps us to process our pain and suffering. I want to encourage you not to miss next week's episode. I hope that this picture that we painted today was helpful. And I want you to have a language for your pain. I want you to have a pathway to navigate the hard moments in your life. And I want to encourage you, if you're in a hard moment, there are better days ahead. Much love to you. Talk to you again next week. Thanks for joining me today. I would love for you to help us to spread the word to bring hope for better days to as many people as possible. You can send the podcast link to your family and friends, post something on your social media, and write a review on iTunes. As well, go check out betterdaysfmly.co for more resources. I look forward to another conversation next week. Much love to you. There are better days ahead.